Hi, and welcome to For This Child, I Have Prayed. This is a podcast where faithful women share their journey to motherhood and how it has been marked by the goodness of God. Whether you are struggling with infertility, wrestling with postpartum, or navigating adoption, my prayer is that you are encouraged and uplifted by their testimonies of just how faithful our Creator truly is. In today's episode, Megan will be sharing her journey to motherhood, where she highlights key refining moments throughout her four pregnancies and births and different stages of motherhood, where God was walking through the fire with her, shaping her to reflect his image. Now let's meet Megan. Hi, Megan. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be back and excited. Uh, I am so honored. For those who are new to the For This Child I Have Prayed podcast, Megan was featured on episode three, where she shared her journey to motherhood for the very first time for her first son. So if you have not yet listened to that, please go back. It's episode three, one of the originals Megan is. Um, so, uh, but for those who, like I said, are new to the show, Megan, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about you and your family? Sure. I would love to. So I am, yes, a mom of four and uh, we live in South Georgia we homeschool our children, and my husband is in law enforcement, so it's just been a great fit for our family. But we, um, yes, have had such a journey uh, with the Lord in bringing all of these children to to our family. And so as I um, thought about sharing, I thought I'd love to just kind of reflect back on how He has refined me and us in this journey and um, the things that we've learned along the way. I love that. I love that. Well, would you like to go ahead and jump right on in then? Yes, I will. Okay. So as I was praying about what I wanted to share, um, the word refine came to me or refining. And I honestly wasn't even, I was like, where is that in scripture? Like, what does that even mean? But I just felt like God was saying that that's what he's been doing over these. So 13 years now, our oldest is 13. And um, so I looked up the word refine, uh, and refine means to remove impurities or unwanted elements and improve by making small changes. And that's just the dictionary definition of it, you know. Um, And it does talk in scripture about refining, and it talks specifically about um, silver. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross or the impurities. And so I actually found this little story that I want to read, and then I'll get into like my stories, if that's okay. Um, So this is from, it's all, I can find, I can send you the link to to link it, but it's from just a a blog post that I read. Um, And it says, okay, so the refiner's fire, and this may be one, a story that people have heard, but Okay, there was a group of women doing a Bible study on the book of Malachi. As they were studying chapter 3, they came across verse 3, which says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. This verse puzzled the women, and they wondered what this statement meant about the character and nature of God. One of the women offered to find out about the process of refining silver and get back to the group at their next Bible study. 
That week, the woman called up a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him at work. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest in silver beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were hottest so as to burn away all the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she thought again about the verse that he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver, Malachi 3.3. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered that, yes, he not only had to sit there holding the silver, but he had to also keep his eyes on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. For if the silver was left even a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, how do you now, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled and answered, oh, that's the easy part when I see my image reflected in it. So I loved that. I love that as well. (laughs) So I'll send you that link. But um, so I thought, okay, um, as over the years, as we've walked through um, wanting to grow our family and what God has done, there were kind of some uh, main, main things that I see refinement in. So there were three kind of main things. So I'm just going to go through each one if that's okay. Um, So I shared in the other um, podcast about our son, Zeke. And his story of the doctor saying he wasn't going to survive, but go back and listen if you hadn't, haven't. Um, and so at, with his, with his birth, it brought this surrender to God and what, uh, what he wanted to do in our lives and how he was going to take care of our child. And he loved him more than we did. And just that surrender of control, that was kind of the first refining moment. And then we continued to raise him and uh, we're in about three years. We're about, we were ready to, to try. I guess it was about two years. We were ready to try for another baby. So that was 2015. And I actually got pregnant pretty quickly with this baby. And because of everything with Zeke, um, I was much more intentional about journaling and praying through scripture and praying over our baby. And I actually have a journal um, notebook that has all the scriptures and stuff I prayed over her. So I've given that to her, which is really special. And um, then as we got ready for her delivery, um, just continuing to pray. And I didn't mention this before. I don't think maybe I did, but I had gestational diabetes with Zeke. I had gestational diabetes with her. Uh, my blood sugar has always been high. So we were praying for healing throughout all of the births and in between, you know, just asking for healing for, from this diabetes that we couldn't figure out why, um, because I, I didn't have any of the risk factors. I was eating really well. Um, I was not overweight. Um, so it wasn't, and it wasn't even a type two diabetes that couldn't, um, figure out what it was. So we're walking through this and asking for healing and that will come into play later with the refining part later, but so just remember that. But um, so I went into labor with her at 11.45 p.m. And I'm not one that likes to be up in the middle of the night. Like I like my sleep. And so I was, you know, it was very, as we came to know her personality, she came in with a vengeance, you know, she came in at 11. She wanted to be born. So I'm in labor, 11.45, um, get to the hospital. I had wanted to have a medication-free birth. So 
I'm laboring without the medication. And there was one moment that I look back now and I'm like, if I wouldn't have believed that, then this would have looked differently, but it's okay. Um, So one of the nurses told me that it could be an hour per centimeter of dilation. And so I was five centimeters when I got in there and I was, I mean, it was an intense labor and I was like five more hours of this at least. I was like, I can't. And I got in the tub. They had a tub there. I got in the tub and I was just like, I, I can't, I can't do it. And they were like, you're not, you're not a failure. If you get an epidural, it's okay. You know? And uh, so I said, okay, I, I have to. And my husband was like, I'm so thankful you did because he was like, I was desperate for you to get it. You know? <laughs> and uh, so I get the epidural and as they're putting it in, I'm like, I need to push. Like I really needed to push. And so they finished, they roll me over. Literally the doctor comes in. She says, you're 10 centimeters. So I went from five to 10 in like 30 minutes. <laughs> and so I pushed and literally three pushes and she was out. So that was a blessing. Um, I didn't have the pain during the pushing. So that was nice. And, um, and she was healthy. And, and so that was, that was um, a gift to have a quick lab, pretty quick labor and, um, you know, that whole experience, but I learned from it. And the nurse said, if you have any more babies, I know you can do it the next time. You know, I know you can do it without the medication if you want. And we were like, Oh, we're done. We're, we're good. Like we had always talked about just, you know, two, that was what I came from. We thought too. So, um, the next, I guess, refining moment that I, um, recognized was the sibling relationship. And this is something that I always wanted to be a mom. I never thought, I never even thought about what it was like, oh, I'm going to need to parent these children to get along and to get to, you know, to have conflict resolution and all the things. And so I was very um, shocked, surprised, I guess, by once Adeline, she was the, our second, our first girl, Adeline was born, um, Zeke, I saw a shift in him right away and he would throw fits. He would, he wasn't happy. He wasn't the only one anymore. Um, and as she started getting a little older and as he started getting a little older and seeing and their conflict and having to manage that, I started struggling big time with anger and I was embarrassed and I was like, I would yell. And I'm like, who is this person? I don't even know this person. Um, I know this is not God's will for my children and for me. Anger is not good for my health. It's not good for them. Um, it's not honoring to God. And it's sin. You know, It was unrighteous anger. And um, so that began a really long journey in trying to be free from that. And, you know, a lot of repenting and then having those moments where I'd yell and I'd be like, God, why am I doing this? Help me Lord, you know? And, um, so that happened, that went on for years and years. And, um, and he did, and I did see progress in it. And I tried different program, you know, parenting programs and books and all the things. And, um, so desperately wanted to just find out why I can't get past this thing, you know? Um, but in the midst of that and, and definitely being refined in that and growing in that, I um, 
felt the desire to have another baby. And I'm like, Lord, like we didn't plan on a third. Like, is this you? And I talked to my husband and he was like, I'm not feeling led. You know, I think we're good. He's nine years older than me. And so, um, and at that point I was 34 or 35, 34, I guess at that point. And, um, so we, I prayed and my husband was just like, I'm good. And I just prayed. I was like, Lord, would you change his heart? If this is from you, you know, if it's my selfish desire just to want to have another child. And I mean, I loved being pregnant. I loved the infant stage, all the things. And so we ended up, so my cycle was not quite regular, um, during that time. And so I was looking at my calendar and I had ovulated according to my calendar one day. And this was like nine days later. And I told them, I'm like, we're good. Nine days later. And, um, she was conceived. (laughs) So I found out when he was out of town, he was in Colorado hunting and we hadn't talked about, you know, it anymore other than just, I was praying and he was like, I'm not feeling led right now. So I find out I'm pregnant and he's away and I'm like, okay, I have to tell him in person. Like I, I don't want to tell him over the phone. So I am excited, but just unsure how this is going to go. And I woke up that night and I was having cramping and it was pretty painful. And I was like, you know, oh no, this is not good. You know, cramping. And I started to kind of panic and I ended up passing out. And this is the middle of the night. My husband's in Colorado. And I have two little kids asleep. And so I fainted. So I called a friend and was like, I told her, I said, I just passed out. I don't know what to do. And she's like, we're out of town. Call 911. And she's like, just call out to Jesus. Just call out to Jesus and call 911. So I call 911 and I tell them what's happening. I, I faint again. And I hit like our dresser and then hit the floor. And later I find out that Sometimes there can be imbalance, like, you know, your blood flow is changing and there just can be changes at that beginning. But anyway, so I'm just thinking that I'm losing the baby. And so I'm laying there talking to 911 and I'm like, do you know Jesus? I'm like, can you pray over me? And she's like, um, ma'am, I'm going to get an ambulance to you. You know, <laughs> she probably thought I was crazy, <laughs> but I was like, And so I just kept saying Jesus and I kept saying Jesus and the ambulance came and got me and I called my next door neighbors and they came and she followed me to the hospital and he stayed with the, you know, at the house with the kids. But the whole time in the ambulance, I just kept saying Jesus because I was so out of it and I, that's all I knew. And I just was crying out to him. And so such a humbling experience and refining just, I mean, I was at the end of myself. Like there was, nothing but him, you know? So we got to the hospital and they did some testing and they saw that it looked like the baby was okay. And, uh, so that this was all in the middle of the night. So as soon as it was, it was a, a reasonable hour, I called Greg and I said, well, I have some good news and some bad news. <laughs> I'm in the hospital. Um, but I'm pregnant and the baby's okay. And he, you know, he was, he was actually very excited and he talked to, to later, we talked about how he had, he had surrendered it to the Lord. And he said, Lord, if, if we're supposed to have another one, I'm okay with that. And he said, I knew that there was a chance, you know? Um, <laughs> so, so we did, um, you know, have a healthy pregnancy with her 
And she was my favorite delivery, just so smooth and just my dream. And we, we basically were at home listening to worship music uh, the whole time I was in labor in the evening. And I had a friend over that used to be a nurse and she was like, um, and we were just listening to worship music. We'd just pray and then I'd have a contraction and then we'd worship and then we'd pray. And it was just, it was so special. I'll never forget it. And then she's like, so when do you normally go to the hospital with your babies? And I was like, oh, uh, you know, I guess we should go. Like I wasn't even paying attention to the timing. And we live close to it. And so we got there at 9 p.m. And she was born at 9.52 p.m. in triage where they were checking me to see if we were going to check in, you know, and I, I was on all fours and no medication delivered her on all fours, which was an amazing position because it's just natural to you and it feels comfortable. Um, and so just delivered her. She, they, they flipped me around, got to hold her, nurse her, all the things. And, um, so that was such a, such a gift. Um, but then continuing on in the refining process. So, I mean, there's so many, this is, you know, 13 years of my life. So there's so many things, but I'm just picking some highlights. And so then she, she fit right in and her name is Lily Faith. Uh, we named her, we wanted something that meant peace because actually a friend of mine had gotten a word from the Lord that, the, that this baby was going to bring peace to our family. And so we ended up choosing Lily, like the peace Lily. And there are lilies in scripture. There's lilies on Solomon's temple. And my husband's grandmother's name was Lillian. So she's actually Lillian Faith Hall. And we call her Lily Faith. And so she did bring so much peace. She was the sweetest, easiest baby, just such a joy. And the Lord knew I needed that because of what was coming um, in 2019. I started having symptoms and I won't go into all of, all of that. That's a whole other story, but just, I went through chronic illness because of mold exposure and my body just couldn't handle it. And I got really, really sick for like that year. And, um, he, I mean, he walked me through this, that season, all the seasons and uh, he gave me Isaiah 43. I'm going to read that. Um, Isaiah 43, uh, one through two and part of three, it says, but now thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers. They will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And I have those verses in my bathroom. Um, it is, he has brought them time and time again, just the reminder that he is walking with us through whatever may come and, um, and brings joy in it, you know, even in, even when there are hard things. And so I, being so sick, I thought, well, that's it. You know, I'm. At this point, I'm, let's see, it was 2019, so I was 39. My husband's nine years older, and um, I still had this desire in my heart. Like, I feel like there's another baby that's supposed to join our family. And um, 
my husband definitely was like, mm, I really feel like we're good. You know, <laughs> like you can't even, <laughs> you can't even take care of, you know, right now I could barely take care of myself and the house and the, the things I was, was so sick. And so I was just like, Lord, I don't know what this is, but just change my heart. If, if, and I'm like, and I'm wondering like, does that desire ever leave a mother, you know, even when you get into the years where you know you can't have them, like, does that ever leave? I, I wondered. And, um, and maybe not all the way, you know, I don't know. Um, but, um, but so I started getting better I started feeling healthier and I went to my yearly OBGYN checkup and I said, and I told her, I said, you know, I'm feeling this and I don't know what, you know, where my body is hormonally. And she was like, well, let's just check your hormones. And she's like, we can do, there's some things we can do to help you ovulate if you're not. And I was like, I know the Lord's not saying that. And I don't feel like Greg would be on board with that. I mean, obviously we can pray about it, but uh, I said, yeah, let's check the hormones. So we got it back and I had not ovulated that month before. And she's like, well, you may be going through perimenopause, you know, and, um, my mom had actually gone through menopause really early. And so I was like, I knew that was a possibility. And so I just came home and I was crying to Greg and telling him, you know, I just, I, I said, I know you don't even want another one, but I don't want it to be in this way, like that, that my body won't, won't, um, do it. And so we prayed and he was, you know, he was loving and supportive. And, um, then, and he said, but I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling led. And then he came to me maybe like another couple of weeks. And he said, the Lord has changed my heart. And he said, I think we should just try and just see what happens. And we got pregnant that month. <laughs> so I was, let's see, I was 40 or 41. I was 41 when I delivered. So around there. And so of course he's, um, you know, 49, 450. And, um, so we celebrated, you know, we, we couldn't believe it. We got to share with the kids and just rejoiced in what the Lord was doing and knew that this, there was a reason for this baby. Um, she was born for such a time as this, which is her name is Esther. Um, we call her Essie. And so that pregnancy was also, and the thing is like, even though I've been on insulin for all my pregnancies, um, I, my body loved being pregnant. <laughs> I, it was everything else. It was great. Um, with her, there was some swelling and, you know, more swelling than had been, but overall smooth pregnancies. And so in our minds, we were like, okay, Lily Faith's birth was so quick. It was the best, you know, it was my dream birth. And this one's going to be just like that. <laughs> and we, you know, we prayed for that, but we just had this confidence that this is, this was going to be just like that. And so, and Greg was a little bit concerned that he was going to end up having to deliver the baby at our house because we waited so long before. So he was kind of like antsy to get to the hospital, you know, but I know at the hospital, there's like this, I can't remember what they call it, but there's this kind of can, uh, situation where people, when they're in the hospital, then their labor slows down because it's just all the, the lights and the people, you know, when you're not in a comfortable environment. And so, um, so we went ahead and went to the hospital as soon as I started, I started labor like six o'clock in the evening. I tend to do this at late, you know? And, uh, and so we went and we had a doula this time. Um, sweet friend of mine loves the Lord, um, prayed over me, you know, amazing, but, she was like, I don't hear it in your voice, 
that you need to go to the hospital, but you know, you do what you want to do. I don't think it's time yet. And Greg was like, I want, we're going, you know? (laughs) So we got there and this was like the end of mask wearing time, you know? And so, um, I didn't want to go and have to wear masks. And they, when they got us in there, they separated us right away. And my contractions slowed way down. And I was like, I do not, you know, we don't want to go home. We want, this is already late. And, uh, and my doula, Debbie, she said, FaceTime with Greg. They'd separated us so they could check me in and, um, which was silly, but, um, so he's in the other room. So she says FaceTime with him. And so it was FaceTiming with him. And she said, this happens all the time when couples are close that the woman needs this to see the man to, to progress. And so I did, and they started picking back up. So the nurse, the other, like the nurse that was um, checking me in, let him in and let us walk laps and be together. And so they finally decided that I could stay. So we're thinking, okay, it's just going to be a couple, you know, a couple more hours. This is probably midnight by this point. And we'd gotten there at like eight or nine or something. So, and I hadn't, I just didn't prepare. I didn't bring food. I didn't bring electrolytes. I didn't bring just stuff that, you know, I would have needed for a longer labor that I had prepared from all my other labors and had everything in the bags for all the other labors. And, um, so I continue to try to, um, to just walk and, and progress. And they kept checking me and it was like, just slow. I just, it was slow progression. And I, I wanted it to be a natural delivery because I'd had one and I knew like the, the rush of hormones and everything is so incredible when you don't have the medication affecting that. And so, and it it just was powerful. And I was like, I just want that one more time, you know? And so, but at this point I was so, I was again, like, like I was when I passed out with Lily Faith, I was at the end of myself. It was just uh, one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. And I was exhausted. I had not slept. Um, had no, no nutrients in me. And I just, again, was just calling out like Jesus. I just could say Jesus. And I was in the bathroom one time and, uh, cause they had me get up to try to go to the bathroom. Cause sometimes that'll help. And, um, and I was just sitting in there and I was going, Jesus, and I was just saying Jesus. And the nurse goes, what did she say? And my doula said, Oh, she's just calling out to Jesus. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, but, and we had a worship playlist going at the hospital constant, like just, Oh my goodness. It was amazing. Just that atmosphere of worship, you know? And so at about five something, they were like, well, what if we sit you up and um, we'll bring a mirror so you can see, and they have like bars that you can hold on to. So I'm like sitting up and holding onto the bar. So then I can kind of bear down and, and push and, um, cause I was just so exhausted. Like she was finally ready to come out, but I was so exhausted to push her out. And I don't, I don't drink, um, like Gatorade or anything like that sugar drinks. And they were like, let us get you some Gatorade because I didn't bring my electrolytes. They're like, we've got to get something in you to give you some energy. So I did, I drank some Gatorade and then I finally was able to push her out at like 6 2 AM or something and see her coming out. It was amazing. Um, and as she was coming out the song, it's, um, I think it's Hillsong, another one in the fire came on 
And that those verses from Isaiah talk about him walking with me through the fire. And he had given me those verses so many times and it was just so perfect. And then after she was born, I raise a hallelujah came on my playlist. And I'm like, I could not have planned this more perfectly, but the Lord knew. And, um, and I sat there and got to nurse her and bond with her and wait for the cord, the pulse and all the things. And, um, I just, as, as hard as it was, God grew me so much in my reliance on him through that, that I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. It was, it was, Amazing. So then as I look back, just kind of at, as all at all of these refining moments, and then there were millions in between as God does as he grows us and, and we grow in intimacy with him. Um, after she was born, it was like three, maybe, maybe a month after she's born, actually. Um, I had met this doctor that specializes in this specific type of diabetes called Modi. And, um, it's a genetic diabetes. And so I had my genetic testing done and he called me. I I remember feeding her and then getting the call from him. And he said, and he said, basically your body just has a higher set point than everyone else. And he said, we've studied people with Modi with this specific one that I had, um, called glucokinase. It's like a receptor site. People with glucokinase, um, Modi 2 diabetes, they don't have any long-term complications from the diabetes. He said, you can eat what you want. You can stop the insulin because I was still doing the insulin after she was born. Um, I had gone off of it with the others, but I was still doing it for, for some reason. And he said, you can stop the insulin. He said, get your A1C checked once a year, but you don't have, you don't have to worry about it. And it was like, I mean, this is like 20 years of my life of asking God for healing. And he healed me in a moment, even though my blood sugar numbers didn't change. (laughs) And, but he allowed me to walk through that and to do the insulin, which was protecting the babies, you know? And I, so I didn't learn about it until after, I mean, it was just like, the timing was just amazing and such a gift. And then when she was like three months old, um, I had started this supplement that I was hoping would help me um, just like with all the things with um, thyroid, like my thyroid was kind of off still and just general health. And I started drinking this supplement and I started realizing that when I was parenting and I would have those moments where I would get angry before I wasn't getting angry. I was calm, like in those moments. And I'm like, he answered, he answered that prayer too. And, and I just, it was because of some imbalances in my physiology, you know, and this supplement was helping my body to heal, you know, to do what God designed it to do. And I just, I couldn't believe it. So it just was such a reminder of he uses outside things sometimes. And sometimes he just heals miraculously. Sometimes we have to walk it out through if there's forgiveness or there's sin, you know, there's so many things, but he, he did use something with that. And I mean, it has been night and day difference in our family since then. And I've been able to use it with uh, my children too, which has been a great, uh, a blessing. Um, but that, I mean, overall, 
just looking back and it was, it's such an honor to be able to share this and, and spend the time looking back at, at what he's done. And I feel like I don't do that enough. Um, I spent hours yesterday just reading through journals and, um, kind of writing down the timeline of what happened. And so, uh, I definitely encourage people to, to do that in all this, the stages of your life. And, and we actually have a little box we keep stuff in, um, that are reminders. And, um, I have this little drawing that the listeners can't see, but you can see it's a little drawing that, um, that Zeke drew in 2015 before we even, before the Lord changed Greg's heart for Lily Faith. And it's a picture of our family and there's a picture of a baby. And we, at that time felt like it was a prophetic drawing and we put it in our little box, but, um, but we do try to keep things like that to remind us. And I have some journals that we keep in this little box. And, um, but as I just, as I look back over, um, I, I see how prayers were not answered, you know, how I had, had asked, but just how we were learning to trust God in, in the way that he was going to answer and his timing. And, um, like I said, learning surrender and, um, and learning how to seek Christian counsel and wisdom and fellowship and, um, having that accountability with other believers and then, um, just trusting that he is with us, whatever, whatever may come. Um, so that, that has been my, my journey in refinement. And I know that that continues until the day we go to be with him. So, but I am grateful and just thankful I got to share some of that with everyone. Yeah, no, thank you. And you hit it right on the head when you said you have to surrender. And I think refining starts when you surrender. And that surrender does not ever stop until, like you said, until the day that we get to go live with him for eternity in his kingdom. That continues. And a lot of the stories that um, we share on the podcast are trying to start that family, you know, um, trying to get pregnant, trying to begin that journey to motherhood. And a lot of that begins with surrender. And someone told me once, like, it doesn't stop there. Then you start, you have to surrender when you're pregnant, just like you had to do with Zeke, surrender his health and his safety to the Lord, and then surrender once they're kids, you know, and, and they have outside external forces affecting them. And then as they get older and they leave the nest, it's just a constant surrender. And I believe we're all constantly being refined and it's a journey. And these things, I love the box that you have. I love that idea. And like you said, it was such a nice time the past couple of days, kind of looking back at where he's brought you and the answered prayers and the prayers that weren't answered. I think as Christians, we need to continuously look in the rearview mirror. You know, culture says like, oh, don't look back, you know, always look forward. I think as believers, it's important that we look back in the rearview mirror and see how far God has brought us. And that faith box are like little faith stepping stones. And you need those stepping stones so that the next time you're calling out to Jesus, you can look back and say, he's brought me through this and this and this, and he's done it before. He will do it again. Yes. Yes. So I love love that. And then 
Last, I got chills when you were talking about the song that was playing. Um, I think it was, was it when Essie was born? Um, mm-hmm. the, yep. the fire refining. I mean, in order to get refined, like silver, it goes through heat, it goes through fire. So I love that, you know, it, it, he does not promise us an easy life, but like you said, he is always there with us. And it's through those hard times when you're in the fire that you're going to come out refined shinier. And like that blog post said, reflecting his image. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. (laughs) Love that. Your stories totally highlight that and all point to that and are just such beautiful testaments to that, Megan. So thank you so much uh, for saying yes to coming back on a second time to share uh, more of your stories of being a mom and also I just want to thank you publicly for being so intentional, both the first time that you came on and this time you spent so much time in prayer and in reflection, and you brought it to the feet of Jesus, of what he wanted you to share. And to me, as a host on this podcast and someone on my own journey, that means so much to me because I know that this came from him. It's your testimony, but it's his story. Uh, so I I have so much faith that both of your episodes are going to encourage so many women and give them hope and restore their faith and uh, see themselves in your story. So thank you so much for that. Thanks. Thank you. That means so much. <laughs> so in closing, um, I'm going to once again uh, add your Instagram handle in the show notes. And if you would send me that link to the blog post, that would be fabulous. I'll add that in the show notes as well. Please, listeners, go follow Megan on Instagram. She, If she's encouraged you on this episode, go check out her Instagram her profile. Her Testimony Tuesdays are amazing. See, she's such a woman of faith and she raises her children in such a godly way. So if you are a mom of one or multiples, please go check her out. Or even if you're not a mom yet, go check her out. She's so encouraging. So much faith-based information that she provides. So Megan, I will include your Instagram handle in the show notes. But in closing, would you do us the honor of praying for us, maybe specifically for a woman on a similar journey to yours? Yes, I would be honored to do that. Okay. Oh God, we just, we thank you so much for this time to be able to reflect on all that you have done in my family, but as a testimony to your goodness and uh, just your, your faithfulness. And I just, right now, I, I imagine so many different women and maybe men listening to, to these stories. And I pray blessings over these couples, these women that are desiring to maybe have their first baby or are desiring another baby and, and looking at their, the timing of when this might happen. And I ask that you just help them to see you in every step that you help them to surrender with a heart of joy and that your peace just fills them, that your peace overcomes them because we can walk through trials and not drown. As you say, we can walk through trials and not burn up because you 
are faithful. You are our God. You love them and their families, and you know the perfect timing. We trust in your timing. And sometimes that's hard, but I ask that you just give them that confidence in in you and love from you (laughs) and that you they know that you call them by name, that you have a purpose and a plan. So I pray for any women that are walking through some of the struggles that I have have encountered and walked through that you would lead them to freedom, whatever that may look like, uh, whether you use outside sources, whether you use people in their lives that come alongside them, um, whether it's an instant healing, freedom, whatever that may look like, Lord, I just ask that you let them hear your voice and allow them to hear your voice as you are our shepherd and we are your sheep and we hear your voice and, uh, to, to just not listen to those uh, things that come maybe from the enemy, maybe from outside distractions, but that, that we would each hear you every step of the way. That is our, our desire is to glorify you and honor you in all that we do. And I just thank you for your patience with us. I thank you for your love and pray blessings over those listening. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you again so much, Megan, for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey to motherhood. And thank you listeners for taking the time to tune in today. If Megan's testimony encouraged you or you know a woman in your life that needs to hear this story, please be sure to share it with them. And if you haven't already left a review wherever you listen to your podcast, if you could please go ahead and leave one, I would be so grateful. My hope and prayer is that this show inspires and uplifts every woman on her journey to motherhood and high ratings help make that possible. And last but certainly not least, if you or a friend or family member would like to share your story on the For This Child I Have Prayed podcast, I would be honored to have you. There's a form in the show notes that you can fill out and then I will be in touch. Until next time, remember that God has a plan for you. There's a miracle in the making and I'll be praying for you. Bye.